Welcome, listeners, collectors, friends. Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights here with Chris Carlin today from Upper Deck. We're going to hear Chris's origin story. Uh, I have many sponsors, though. Upper Deck is going to be number one for the next 15 minutes. But I have uh, several others, Beckett Media, Beckett Creating, Beckett Authentication, ComC, COMC.com, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike's Stadium Sports Cards, as well as two other card companies, Panini and Tops. But uh, Chris and I are going to talk about uh, his origin story, and he's had many interesting roles at Upper Deck. Uh, I, I I thought, Chris, most of them have been in what you're doing now, customer experience. You've, you've always had some connection to the customer, haven't you? So, Chris, welcome yeah, to the sure. show. Yeah, sure. That's been great. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, I've been trying to do this for a while. Um, yeah, I, I I really love engaging with our fans. Um, it's it's there's just so much that comes from those interactions, uh, whether it be an idea for a new product or uh, some type of feedback on how we can get better or just seeing their smiles when they're opening up products. Uh, that's always been something I've been really passionate about. And and then trying to tell their stories in unique ways. We've had a number of uh, events recently and been able to tell some really cool stories at UpperDeckBlog.com. Um, but yeah, I've, I've, I just love working with customers. Um, so it's, uh, it's always fun getting out to events or, uh, getting into hobby shops when I'm traveling, uh, and, uh, and meeting them first face to face. Well, you seem like a real people person, but what, what, what's your background, either educational or prior work that, that, uh, puts you in position to have this really fun job that you have? Well, Upper Deck was really my first job out of college. I've been here for, uh, almost 22, actually 22 years, right around Thanksgiving. Wow. I started as a, a temporary associate with Upper Deck and, awesome. um, I had, uh, a buddy that, uh, was living down in Carlsbad and I was, I'm from Mission Viejo, which is a little bit north of, uh, here in uh, California. And, uh, he had a great place for the summer. He said, why don't you come on down? And, uh, it was after college. I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. And, uh, I, uh, I, lived with them. And I just looked at what was in the area and I saw upper deck and I was like, holy cow, that <laughs> every other brothers. Right. So I collected okay. uh, a ton when I was growing up and, uh, sold most of my cards off during college, but it was, mm. uh, it was 80s junk wax anyway. So that was fine. And I got, I got out of it at the right time, I guess. And, uh, and it was just a whole, I, all these memories started flooding back to me of, of growing up with upper deck of laying all the cards out on the floor and, um, my mom letting the dog in and dog running over the cards and me having like a category five meltdown of like, no, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, um, I even wrote a letter to upper deck when I was younger, just asking if I could buy direct. We still get those letters from kids, which is really funny. Uh, so I had all these great memories and I, I went in and, uh, uh, told them I was a, a passionate fan and, and what can I do? How can, how can I get started here? And, and they really did start me off at quite the bottom, I would <laughs> say. Um, and that was fine by me. I, I was willing to, to show I would do whatever it takes to, you know, to move my way up and, and show how passionate I am about the industry. Uh, so my first job was an athlete used the wrong pen to sign his upper deck autograph cards and they bled onto the back of all the other cards. So it was me and two other guys. The other guys are wearing like cutoff jeans and, you know, t-shirts. I'm in a suit and tie and, <laughs> and, uh, trying to impress and, uh, and we're using alcohol swabs and Q-tips to wipe off the backs, but you couldn't get it on the side where it was cut because then that would damage the card. So right. uh, I cleaned the hell out of those cards, Jim, and uh, yeah. I uh, worked my way up into our quality assurance department uh, where, you know, where we're uh, filling orders for damaged cards and things along those those lines. But uh, I think they could, as I started to get to know staff here, they could kind of tell I had a gift for Gab and I moved into our customer care uh, department and uh, I had a sales and marketing internship and management uh, internship during college and 
Uh, I really like that. Uh, so I was able to move into a management position after a while with Upper Deck uh, in our customer in our customer care group. I did some sales and then started managing the sales uh, part of our sales team and um, did that for a long time and then uh, helped us move out to Las Vegas uh, back in the Yu-Gi-Oh boom. And um, that was that was really interesting. I basically had to start up a whole new team out there and uh, did that for a couple of years. And the summers in Vegas are very hot. And uh, I was starting to miss California a little bit. So after two and a half years, I uh, kind of looked for opportunities back at Carlsbad. And there was an uh, uh, opportunity for a uh, hobby marketing manager. And yeah. I had worked with so many shops over the years and really had a good feel for uh, what products moved and what promotions were needed uh, to support products and customers. Uh, that it was kind of a no-brainer. So I moved back to Carlsbad and uh, and did that. And then recently last year, I uh, took back over the customer care group while still doing a lot with marketing and handling a lot of our social media and advertising and a bit of our PR. So um, it's been a, it's been a lot of fun. And uh, there's that old saying, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And I, I kind of feel like that, although um, don't tell Upper Deck. I don't want them to, to stop paying me. Well, no, I, I, I had a uh, perhaps a similar experience back when uh, back when I was in charge at Beckett Publications. And basically, when we hired people right out of college, and we hired some of them were interns, but when they came and it was their very first job, it was a complete – it was just – that you could break the employees into two groups, those who had had a job before somewhere else and those who hadn't. The ones that were coming straight out of college, they just thought this is the way it was in every job. And, but the guys that came from and gals who came from other positions said, now you're, you're, it's not that it was such a great company, although we, we, we did our best, but it was, you know, you're working in an industry that's really based on hobby and enthusiasm and passion. And they're working alongside. Uh, others that shared the same excitement. And so it was a dream job, I think, for some of our people. Uh, and especially like you, ones that came right out of college, jumped in with both feet. They didn't have to unlearn any other bad corporate habits. They just jumped <laughs> yeah. in, learned our systems and, and really enjoyed the people. And I, I'm sure Upper Deck had a lot of that, um, uh, same esprit de corps over the years. Yeah. And I mean, for me, I, I remember asking right around this time, what do you want for Christmas? And it would always be, I got to have my, my subscription of Beckett magazine when I was a young kid. So okay, okay. I, I appreciate you for that because really that was, that was a lot of the learning that I had about the industry was, Oh, okay. How are they advertising? Uh, what are their, you know, what do you get in a box? And, uh, hmm. what are the collector's stories and, and reading some of your letters to the editor or, you know, your, uh, your monthly, uh, uh, posts. It was uh, it was really cool to read, and it, it gave me a foundation of knowledge that I still carry with me today. So I'm I'm very appreciative of that. Well, thanks, Chris. You know, my first career was being a professor, and so I was I, I still have kind of the 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 uh, desire to teach. Maybe this podcast is a little bit of teaching. Yeah. And my second career was being a consultant, and so I also like to do kind of consulting. I'm kind of a pro bono consultant. I I, I uh, that that just means somebody that gives free advice. But uh, and then then in the uh, price guide days, the the publishing days, it just was um, there was a real need there for people to be educated, not just about business, but about you know what cards were worth and leveling the playing field so that so that younger people could would not be taken advantage of. And it sounds like you're probably a pretty sharp young kid who held his own and then yeah. wound up at upper deck. So that, that's very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, what, what, um, so you don't, you don't feel like you missed out on anything. I mean, nowadays people over 22 years, they, they haven't had 22 jobs or anything, but, but I bet a lot of your contemporaries have worked, uh, have had several stints and uh, you know, I, I just, yeah, I'm, just, I mean, I'm sure you don't have regrets. I've had, but, yeah, I've had other uh, companies come to me, and I've, I've definitely had uh, some other opportunities presented. But at the end of the day, it's—I I really feel like Upper Deck is a passion brand. You know, one of those special absolutely. places where you can work, where um, it's 
you just care so much about it. And, and you're absolutely right. Like it's, it is one of those things where it's so much fun to teach people about the hobby and to educate them and make them aware of, did you know you could get this from a pack of cards today? And uh, here's how EPAC works. Look at how cool this new technology is. And there's something really fulfilling about that and satisfying and uh, seeing the lights go on in people's heads. Because to me, and I think 95% of the people at the company here uh, at Upper Deck, it's the cards are nice, but it's really about that emotional connection you can have through the trading cards and and how you can use our products to make memories that really last a lifetime with families and uh, be ingrained in the culture of uh, of sports and entertainment and just just family hobbies. So uh, it it at the end of the day, yeah, it's a piece of piece of two and a half by three and a half cardstock, but uh, to me and many others, it can mean so much more. Well, um, in your 22 years, you've seen the company go from, and in your role and your ability to, uh, you know, tout and uh, enjoy and promote, uh, it's gone from a, kind of a multi-sport uh, licensed uh, company to to a smaller set of licenses. But you, Upper Deck, really was the first one to, I think, really lock in on the, you know, the Michael Jordans and the Tiger Woods and LeBron James, and and really lock up those guys to where even if you don't have the uh, the uh, the, the full licensing in the sport, you've got some amazing memorabilia, cards and collectibles for some of the very top, uh, most well-known athletes in the world. And is that, is that, I mean, I guess that's, that's got to be a lot of fun for you if you're yeah, a baseball fan you know, or the, basketball or football. Players, yeah. for sure. It's great working with them. And I think that was the vision of Richard McWilliam, our founder, yeah. was that Upper Deck is always going to be known as the best. And uh, there's other uh, trading cards, there's other manufacturers out there for memorabilia, but he wanted it to be the best of the best and the most premium. So uh, when he chased down and signed athletes like LeBron James, Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky to long-term deals for uh, exclusives on memorabilia, it was really uh, awesome because it it, uh, it kind of set the stage for what we are today. And with those with those athletes, I mean, having the the best collectibles of them. I mean, I'm I'm about to jump on UpperDeckStore.com right now uh, just to look at some uh, some of our sales we're going to have for Black Friday, Cyber Monday, you know, to to some potential gifts for the family uh, because it's all cool. It's not just a, a jersey car, a jersey uh, frame jersey anymore. It's right. these amazing breaking through pieces and curved displays and uh, the the innovations that we've made with regard to memorabilia are are pretty groundbreaking. The show displays where it's uh, a huge signature of the athlete. It's the, the, the products we're making just always kind of leave my jaw dropping. And uh, whenever they're in someone's office or home or man cave, they immediately draw attention from whoever happens to be visiting. Right. So I, I love that about it. But just the dynamic of how the industry has changed over the years is is pretty fascinating. I mean, when I came to Upper Deck in 97, we were starting out with the uh, the NBA lockout and uh, for the yeah. 97, 98 season. And we often say that we're about as nimble as an oil tanker. It's It's very hard to to stop the presses, so to speak, if something's coming, because we work on projects so far out in advance. And at that time, we had spent a lot of money signing Kobe Bryant, and uh, we had Michael Jordan, and there was just a lot of dollars in play for basketball because we expected things to go really well, and then all of a sudden they're not playing, and no one wants basketball, and everyone's upset at basketball players and owners and leagues. And we lost a lot of money. It was a really difficult time, and, and we had uh, uh, made had to, had to uh, cut staff and. Um, it was pretty significant. I, I like I was worried, but then I, I found out later, you know, as one of the new guys making next to nothing, I wasn't really on the hopper. It was more the bigger uh, <laughs> salary. Uh, yeah. So it was uh, it was a difficult time. But you know what? Our, our management team learned from that, that there are always going to be labor disputes. I mean, if you look at what's happening in, in the writing on the wall for football, it looks like there is going to be a labor dispute very soon there. Yeah. So um, what can we do as manufacturers to 
uh, I guess, you know, similar to your own investing is how do you, uh, you know, make sure that you have a little something in everything so you're not, don't have all your eggs in one basket. Uh, basket. Right. So we looked at what else is out there. What else can we make outside of just standard sports cards? And that's when we found out about, uh, you know, the, the collectible card games. And we really made a major play in there. Uh, we had our, I think our first release was like a, a product called Digimon. And, you know, we were feeling it out and trying to figure figure that category and space out and distribution and sales. Um, but we really hit hit it with uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! And I know sports fans may not know a lot about uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! But uh, it's very similar to Pokemon. And it, it was great for me because we would take a lot of, uh, you know, the profits from a, a release like that and reinvest it into sports cards and signing deals with, with bigger athletes. And uh, then we worked started working with Marvel. And, and we said, you know, it's not like Wolverine is going to go on strike or you know, Captain America is going to have a labor dispute. So these guys were always going to be in play for us. And some of the things that our partners at Marvel have done, uh, Marvel Studios in particular, have done with uh, pumping up that category and, and those uh, those characters has been amazing. So uh, being partners with longstanding partners with them now and putting out some amazing uh, Upper Deck Entertainment products uh, on the Marvel side has been great. Uh, we've expanded that to Alien and Predator and X-Files. And, and that's been that's been really great to see because again, it, it yeah. as, as leagues started consolidating down to one license, uh, we saw that really start with apparel, and then we approached the NHL about uh, going exclusive uh, when they were in the midst of a, a labor dispute, and we were able to. We were the first company to to secure that, but we saw other companies uh, take exclusive uh, ownership of licenses for trading cards, yeah, yeah. which I know is a, a source of frustration with uh, yeah. some collectors out there for sure. And I. Gosh, it makes me frustrated. We're not making baseball products. I think you know Grant Sandground. He's been, yep. been at the bit to make some some yep. other products again. But uh, you know, it's just a, a it's just how things are moving right now. But there's always changes that can happen, and there's always uh, you know licensing is a dynamic type of yep. situation. So we'll, we'll just uh, fight the good fight there. Yeah, Chris, we're out of time, but I know we could go on for a long time. And hopefully, uh, but I, I was just going to tell the listeners, you know, Chris had me at Yu-Gi-Oh! We had the same experience uh, with that, uh, doing it because, again, we were mainly sports. But that that some of those non-sports products allowed us to uh, take uh, what we uh, what, what we could do off that and plow back into reinvesting into into other things. So out of time. Uh, thanks, Chris. I definitely want to have you back for uh, you know, some more episodes, but uh, we're out of time today. Listeners, thanks for your attention. Uh, be sure to check out UpperDeck.com, and we'll be back again tomorrow with another episode.